come on, I can't read that on the air for crying out loud. Oh, come on now. <laughs> Listen, if I read that on the air, I would say 17 blocks of McDougal Street would go up in flames. I'll take it. <laughs> Not to mention Greenwich, Lexington, 3rd Avenue. <laughs> oh, man. I just can't. No, I can't. No, no, no. You're, 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 listening, you're listening to a man who, he's seen it, you know, he's been through a lot, been through it all. And um, I, ju I just did something this past week that uh, has to be reported. Here it is the night before the 4th of July, you know, and you, could, uh, you, you walk up and down the street here and you realize that the rats have left the ship. Oh, yeah, you know, I know guys that started their weekend, oh, about 10 o'clock last Monday. And uh, you could tell the, the rank of the executive by how long he remained in the city this week. And, you know, the next rank left on Tuesday. And uh, some of them came in this morning. You could tell they were downtrodden. They were waiting. Now, these are the guys that had just gotten the key to the executive job. You know, they... And, uh, <laughs> and guess who is still in town? Let's hear it. Let's guess who's here. For all of you out there who wonder whether New York is still here, friends, it sure is. And by the way, an uh, interesting thing for any of you... Uh, any of you employees of WR who may, uh, may be out there tonight listening, uh, which would be highly unlikely, but uh, you may have some friends, and uh, you call your friends who do work here at WR. I noticed a very interesting thing when I was coming into my office here half an hour or so ago. There was a guy, a couple of guys, they looked like some kind of workman or something, had a lot of tools, and uh, they were going up and down the 20th floor, and I'll be doggone, they were changing locks on the doors. I wonder why they were doing that, you know, and uh, I couldn't get anything out of them, but, cannot read that on the air. I just cannot. No, 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 no. No, no, I cannot. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I have a news note here from from uh, Yemen. You know where Yemen is? It's over there in the Middle East. And uh, I just can't read it on the air. It's a great news note. came in on, on Associated Press here. It's an official news note. It's, uh, I, I, I just better not, though. Just the kind of stuff that you do not hear on Lester Smith's newscast, no. And uh, I'd like to, I'd, I'd love to hear. Have, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Uh, I won't mention your name. It's okay. It's all right, Bruce. I won't mention your name. You know, uh, hey, Bruce. You know, can, can you can you imagine? Uh, in one of these evenings, uh, the announcer comes on and says, "And now the human side of the news with Lyle Van," and he leads with this. <laughs> you know. And then plays the hymn. 
paraphrase it as only I can? There is no way to paraphrase this. And look, I want to tell you, the more I would paraphrase this, the more obscene it would get. There are certain things, you know, that you either say it or you don't, and if you don't say it, it gets worse than if you say it. I can get another job? That's quite true. <laughs> this is a great news. You know, one of the great, I'll tell you one of the great things about hanging around a newsroom, working in a, in a radio station, and uh, I just feel tonight, you know, it's the night before the 4th of July, and just play around, see, and, uh, and I, I, uh, I have this news note here about some fantastic event that happened in Yemen. Now, it's not the kind of thing that's going to be making big headlines anywhere, I can assure you, except in Yemen. <laughs> and in certain underground newspapers that I know that are published here in, the, in, in, in Greenwich Village. But nevertheless, uh, this is one of, the, one of the beauties of working in, uh, in, uh, in a place where you get access to all the news. All the news. I mean, I'm not talking about the news that's fit to print. I'm talking about the news. And so... Uh, Incidentally, what is the New York Times going to do away with that that slogan? All the news that's fit to print—that is an awfully egotistical slogan. And uh, to find yourself, can you imagine you finding yourself in a news event, and then you want to read about it the next day in the Times, and you discover that the event you were in was not fit to print? I mean, I, I don't mind if they said all the important news or the unimportant, but fit to print—that you know makes it sound uh, that's kind of well, I, I, you know, I don't want to get into that, but. Never, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, I have this news note. I keep thinking, gee, you know, uh, no wonder all newsmen. I, I've never known one newsman that did not have uh, a kind of, um, uh, well, I've seen it all, and it's nothing. Look in the eye. You know that, you know that look that David Brinkley has in the eye? I mean, you just can't see David Brinkley getting all excited because he and the family are going to go down to the Dairy Queen and get some, uh, you know, get a couple of ice cream cones with sprinkles on it. You just can't see him going ape over that. And it's even harder to see Chet getting excited over that. Or, or Walter Cronkite. Why? They've stood too close to the INS APUP machines too long, and they've seen too much. And that it just keeps coming out, those long rolls of paper. It's, it's a little scary, you know. It just keeps coming out, out, and out, and out. And, and it's never end. It's an endless roll, for those of you who don't know how it works. It's an endless roll. And it just keeps going. On and on and on. And it just say, when is it going to stop? It's never going to stop. Endlessly, endlessly. In fact, you, can, you get hooked on it. You know, after a while, you, 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 you on the one hand, you, you don't want to look at the machine. On the other hand, you find yourself unable to not look at it. And I know, I have a friend, uh, you know, for those of you out there who are interested in, uh, in the exotic, uh, I, and, and who isn't interested in the exotic, I have a friend who's a total electronic cuckoo. And at the same, yeah, I mean a complete cuckoo. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of guy who thinks he's an electronic cuckoo when he goes and buys a Heath kit of a, you know, a two-watt amplifier, and it takes him seven weeks to build it, and when he finally does it, electrocutes his kid and ionizes the kitchen table when he plugs it in. I'm talking about a real, I'm talking about a real, genuine, gold-plated electronic cuckoo. This guy, you know, he's an ape. In fact, uh, he was the first guy I ever knew who built his own television camera. 
He just, you know, heard about these TV cameras, so he got all involved, and he built a TV camera. Now, what did he do with it? Well, he put the TV camera up on the roof of his building. He lives... <laughs> I'm serious. He lives there on the west side. And so he put this camera up on top of his, of his building. And whenever he feels like it, he plugs it in, hooks it all up, and he sits in his living room and watches the street down below on his TV set. He just sits and watches it. And I said, well, Jerry, what are you looking at the street for? He said, I don't know. Somehow it looks like naked city, you know, as long as, as long as it's there. And I says, well, why don't we just go out on the terrace and look at the street? It's in color out there, Jerry. He says, but I, he says, it's nothing when you go out and look at it. And, and, we, and here we were, grown-up people, we're all sitting in his living room drinking martinis and looking at his 24-inch television set, which has got nothing on it except his street down in front, you know, and they were looking at it. And we sat and looked at it for hours. People walked by, and uh, we'd say, oh, look at that one. Look at that one coming. And we'd watch a person just walk down. It's a shopping bag, you know, a nice little old lady with a poodle. And say, oh, look at that. And somehow, when you look at it on a television screen, it gets to have meaning. Maybe this is what McLuhan is talking about. It had a frame around it, see? And suddenly it looked like everybody was bound on sinister errands. As we all know, when you're watching a television uh, drama or you're watching a, a movie, everybody that shows up on the screen is meaningful. You know, if there's a crowd, they're going to throw rocks at Rod Steiger. You know that. They're not just on their way to Macy's. They're doing something. Uh, that's the trouble. That's why I never can really believe in movies. Everybody has a function. Uh, and so... Uh, uh, Somebody like uh, uh, Peter Sellers gets into the cab, and the cab driver looks up in the mirror. You know the cab driver's going to say something funny. Peter Sellers is going to... There's never just a cab driver says, shut up, keeps driving. You know, that's the way it really goes. And so we're sitting there watching in his living room, and I'll tell you, for over 45 minutes, all of us grown-ups sat there and ate, ate daisies and bugles and uh, drank martinis and watched the street. It got pretty good after a while. You know, after a while, all the traffic started to pick up, and there were little brief moments. And the only thing that I missed were the commercials, because the commercials really give a kind of a, a frame, a little pizzazz to life. Yeah. I think a lot of you guys would feel better if you all had a sponsor. Uh, I think a lot of people, I think the, the trouble with most of the people I know is they're sustaining, you know? I don't like sustaining people out there. We got a sponsor. Hit the button there, Herb. I, I just want to tell you, we got a sponsor. Yeah, see, you're sustaining. You're nothing one of those. Yeah, sing it out, man. Comico. They all know, man. Yes, sir. That makes it right, then. Right down the hatch. I said robust. Wow, 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 wow. Woohoo. Right. Oh, they make it right. Distinctive, hearty, and <laughs> always loud. Deep down good. The Miller High Life is brewed in that great tradition where this, quality comes first. This is beautiful, Next time, right? ask for Miller. Taste the reason people everywhere are saying, Miller makes it right. Not a dry and Just beautiful. On the go. On the go. No, they know. They know. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wise guy. <laughs> oh, listen, I have a terrible thing here. It says, I think I shall never hear a poem lovelier than beer. The brew that Joe's Bar has untapped with golden base and snowy cap. The foamy stuff I drink all day until my memory melts away. Poems are made by fools, I fear, but only Miller can make a beer. Crummy kids in bed. <laughs> That's terrible. 
<laughs> Even the Miller ad agency wouldn't try that one. But you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I had this this cuckoo. I got I got to finish this a little bit. Uh, speaking of cuckoos, you know, listening. Oh, that reminds me. This is W O R Friends, New York. And uh, would you please bring me some uh, dramatic music there, just to uh, sneak anything you've got in there, Herbert? There, we've got another thing here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Bob. If you do an electrical job around the house, oh, I say, think of Rosetta, big old fat Rosetta. R O S E T T A is Rosetta. Singing commercial. Now they, I got a note from Bob Walton says he wants me to sing it. Trying everything. For those of you who are going to do a little electrical work around the house, friends, in the forthcoming few weeks, you know, you never know what you want, might want to do, wire up some sparklers or something. Think of Rosetta. They've got everything. They've got an electronic fly trap that I understand comes in a in an extra-large deluxe model that can be used for other than flies. Just ionizes them. This could be the perfect crime. Uh, this is Rosetta, friends. There are three Rosetta stores, 79 Chambers Street, 75 West 45th Street, and 73 Murray Street, just two blocks west of the city hall, within easy reach of all subways and buses. They tell me three three commissioners that were being chased by the police ran right through that store the other day and, uh, on their way out. And <laughs> they were all looking for black light, make them invisible. But, uh, oh, it's terrible. If you'd like a catalog, though, from Magnificent Rosetta, just send your name and address to Rosetta. She's a nice lady. Just send your name and address to Rosetta, and they'll send her this beautiful catalog. You must be over 21, however. And uh, it does come in plain sealed wrapper. And the code is Rosetta. And it's free. You send your name and address here to WOR. And, uh, you know, uh, I must get on with this. This uh, electronic... Oh, oh, yeah, I was going to say something here before I went any further. You're listening to a man who's had a unique experience. And I'm kind of proud of it. I am probably the only person... I have never heard of anybody else who did it. I don't want to make any general statement, but I am probably the only person who did this particular thing within recent memory in this country. A unique, a, a unique thing. All right, I'll ask you. Did you ever hear of anybody? Do you ever, do you know of anybody? Have you ever heard of anybody who played a kazoo at his friend's wedding? I'm serious. I'm not kidding you. I played a kazoo at, at, a, at a very fancy wedding. This friend of mine had a wedding, and, 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 uh, and by popular demand if not by outright angry insistence. I played, I'm not kidding, I played the kazoo at his wedding. And it's kind of touching. You know, do uh, you want to hear how it sounds? How I played? For one thing, you know, they're, they're standing up there, and it was very romantic. They had this, this tree, the this spreading. It was an outdoor wedding, you know, tree, and the mothers were standing around with little nosegays, little posies, and, and the flower girls were running around. And uh, I, I don't have the uh, kazoo that I use on formal occasions here with me tonight. I have uh, this black kazoo, which I use on formal occasions. It has a silver mouthpiece on it. It's a, it's a yeah, it's a, it's a famous uh, 
Luigi Fiasco model, which is one of the rare, better Italian kazoos. And it's an electronic kazoo. But I will show you uh, what, among other things, I played. I'm serious, I played at this wedding. Somebody called and yeah, he knew a guy that played a kazoo. Of course, as always a kid. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, no. I played a kazoo at a wedding. And uh, among other things... <laughs> It's, it's easy to laugh. It, it's very easy to laugh. But it, it gave a kind of, how can I say, rustic, gothic quality to the whole thing. And I noticed that as I got into the second chorus, you know, uh, when you go through the bridge and you start hitting the, the second chorus when the tune is riding, I'm going <laughs> Life with its sadness, life with its tears. There was not a little old lady in the assemblage with a dry eye. It was kind of great, wasn't it? Admit it, I, I really did it. Well, then, of course, uh, it opened the floodgates. I, I mean, uh, uh, this this uh, it just 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 kind of gave a whole new dimension to the wedding, and a lot of people surged forward, and uh, the guy was shaking in his shoes, was getting married. It's the first time I've ever actually seen a guy actually shake getting married. He was really shaking. And it was funny. And it, was, it was classic. And and the chick that he was getting married had an iron grip. I'll tell you, she had a hole of his elbow. His hand was blue. I mean, you could see he was not going to bolt for it. And so after I played uh, I Love You Truly, and uh, I played a couple of other appropriate melodies, by the way, speaking of appropriate melodies, did you hear about this wild uh, Jersey wedding a couple of days ago? There's a wild wedding I read about in one of the papers. I mean, a typical example of Jersey slob art in, in galloping motion, where uh, this guy uh, and this girl were getting married, see? Which uh, don't think, uh, you know, that's not being redundant these days. A lot of people get married. And... Uh, <laughs> this guy and this girl. Oh, yeah, did you hear about the case in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago? That's something else again. But uh, this guy and this girl, see, they're getting married. And, of course, they're, they're true children of our time. They're, they're, they've been bred and brought up and lived completely in the total LP world, the stereo LP world. And, uh, obviously, they had spent a lot of their, their uh, extra times at Swingles weekends out in... Uh, out in the, the, the Catskills, you know, the real type, you know, the Tony Curtis hair, and, you know, the, the chick is wearing the, the, the Julie Christie makeup and the whole bit. And so when they're, they're getting married, it they, was rehearsed, you see, and they, they realized, of course, that true love is, is found only in popular songs of today. We all know that, that a song is where the real, where it really is. I mean, you know, when the, when the Beatles sing such deep and tremendous and... and uh, infinitely moving lyrics. We know that this is the truth. We know it. And uh, Bob Dylan is always speaking the truth. We know that. And there's nobody more sincere, believe it or not, than Eddie Fisher. I mean, not, not many guys can be sharp and flat on the same note without meaning it. And it's not easy to do that kind of stuff. You know, it's, a, it's like learning how to work two yo-yos at the same time, both left hand and right hand, and at the same time juggle Indian clubs. That's not easy to do. You've got to be sincere when you're doing that. And so... So this typical uh, 
couple of our time. They rehearsed their wedding, and uh, they rehearsed it by by uh, they had a rehearsal hall. So they didn't rehearse it like you know people rehearse their wedding. These are Jersey people. They they, they rehearsed their wedding in rehearsal. A guy playing the piano, and so when the wedding when the wedding was about to be performed, here's the way it was done. Uh, the, the male, the groom, see, he came from the side. They had they had the the altar it was not an altar in this case it was a stage. See that after all. Uh, we all know that love is part of showbiz now, and true love is found in the second act. You know when when uh, oh when uh, oh you, you just may uh, when when uh, Geraldine Page runs across the stage and flies into Ben Gazzara's arms. We know this is love. There's no doubt about it. That's real love. The stuff that ordinary people have is just you know this is kind of wrestling. But this is real love, this stuff that happened on the stage. And so they had a stage set up. Did you hear about this? It was in, it was in the, one of the papers. And so uh, they darkened the house lights. And suddenly from off stage with an echo chamber. Can you give me a little echo chamber in there, Herbert? Uh, off stage in the echo chamber, you can't. Oh, shucks. Well, that's what happened in the wedding, too. So uh, off stage, uh, this voice started to sing, and it was singing... It was singing a selection from Sound of Music. And it was the groom. And he was, <laughs> he was singing something like, I love you, I love you. And they had an echo chamber. And uh, instead of a minister, they had a guy who plays the, uh, uh, you know what the Wurlitzer Sideman is? You don't know what the Wurlitzer Sideman is? Well, have you ever been in little bars where they can only afford a piano player or a guy that plays a flute? Well, you can buy a Wurlitzer Sideman now. It's a little it's a little instrument where you plug it in, and it plays the drums, and it plays the bass, and everything else. You can set it up, do anything. Well, uh, here they are. They did a complete musical where the guy comes out on the stage, and he sings to this girl. And the girl comes across the stage. You know how they always do the big duet, the love duet in all musicals? And she sings, people, oh, people who need people. You know, that Barbara Streisand bit, and she's singing this, people are the wonderful people in the world. People. Because there's a whole Barbara syndrome, you know, Barbara, Stan, uh, Barbara uh, Streisand syndrome that's going with this crowd. So, I love people. And the audience burst into applause when the guy put the ring on this chick's finger. And down came the curtain, had a curtain in the church, and the two were married. I, I like that. Well, we're living in difficult times, and any way a person can make it easier, I'm not, you know, everybody should do his thing, whatever his thing is. I'm not going to read that piece from Yemen, I'm sorry, that ain't my thing. I just won't do it. But I want to tell you more about my, my boo yourself. I want to tell you about my cuckoo, my, my, my electronic cuckoo friend. You know, we got on the subject of, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, news machines. Well, here he's got his TV set now. See, he sits there and watches his TV set, and, which he has wired up. And then he put another camera on the other side so he could watch the side street, see. Now he can switch from one camera to the other. Now he's got two streets. And that took him about a year to build. And after a year to build, now he sits and watches both streets. And then one day, going through a surplus radio junk shop, he came across another doozy. It was a surplus teletype machine. Well, I don't have to tell you what this guy did next. 
He took a closet in his house and threw out all clothes. And he took down all the clothes hooks, and he began to build himself this gigantic, worldwide, teletype news system. I'm serious. He built this gigantic receiver, put an antenna up on the top of his house, and he built this, this, uh, this feeder system for the electronic news machine. And now you go to this guy's house, and you're sitting there eating, and they're very elegant, and you're eating, and you hear the closet is going, ding, 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 ding. He's picking up Pravda. Unfortunately, it all comes in Russian. He does not read Russian. It goes, ding, 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 oh, 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 ding, 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 And then he says, oh, excuse me a minute. And he rushes into the closet, and he switches to the BBC, then, ding, 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 ding. And there's got great big rolls of paper. And I said, Jerry, where is it going to end? And there's a glint in his eye. And he says, say, have you heard what they can do with laser beams? I said, Jerry, no, not laser beams. Next. I said, Jerry, I saw what they did with those in the James Bond movies. He says, yeah. And now somewhere off there, in four or five or 20 blocks from us, there is a genuine scientific maniac who's working away. Well, now these things, these things are not, uh, you know, they're not limited to the electronic people. It's the 4th of July, you know, coming up. Have you ever seen a, 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 a firework maniac? I'm not talking about a guy that likes fireworks. I'm talking about a person who is creative with fireworks. I don't mean just blowing up a tin can. You know, I'm going to tell you a story you're just not going to believe because it sounds like a thing right out of a, a silent movie. Uh, you know, the kind of uh, slapstick comedy that you see once in a while, the Laurel and Hardy type comedy. By the way, I think one of the great lines of all time is, I read it now, this is a fine mess you've got us into now, Stanley. <laughs> that could be applied to almost every politician I know. It could be applied to history. It's a fine mess you've got us in this time. Well, I, I, I'm, uh, it's 4th of July. It's about uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, see? I, have you ever been in a scene that, that you yourself played a leading role in a slapstick scene? Well, I did. I've got my little bundle of fireworks. Schwartz has got his little bundle of fireworks. And it's early morning. We're not playing with the firecrackers much yet. You know, we, we're saving it for later in the day. Once in a while, you'd let one go. Once in a while, you'd throw a torpedo at Bruner, something like that. But you're not really doing much. And Patty Remedy, the most beautiful girl in the entire world, Live two blocks away. And Patty is on the porch. It's 4th of July. It's kind of a gala. The kids are eating ice cream. She's got a couple of her girlfriends over. You know how girls are. They live in this special little world where they sit around and play like they're having babies and all that. I wonder if little kids today, instead of, you know, girls have, you know, the whole doll shtick. Things are different now. I wonder if little girls sit around and they're six or seven. They pretend they're taking a pill. You know, I'm, 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 it's all part, you know, but little girls, the big difference between little girls and little boys is that little girls generally live in the future in their play. You know, they're always playing house. Not many little boys play house unless they have ulterior motives going. Uh, I, I've never known Schwartz to come up to me and say, hey, how about let's play in basement, huh? How about let's play in daddy? No, we don't, you know, play daddy. Oh, no. Oh, I see the day. Listen, I see the day when you'll be able to buy a little daddy kit for kids to play daddy. You know, it's all showbiz. You can buy a daddy kit now at F.A.O. Schwartz. You know, it's a little little imitation Brooks Brothers suit. 
Little kid can play daddy. Little copy of Time magazine that's washable has articles by Doctor Spock in it. You know, and the the little uh, little uh, little martini. You know, it's a he can play like he's making martini like daddy does when he comes home. Of course, this is health care. It's vitamin B12 in this martini. It's a, it's a, you know, <laughs> there'll be a little kid. And uh, so here, here is, here is Patty Romani and her friends playing on the porch. What we're showing off, me and Schwartz and Flick were throwing firecrackers and all that. We go up on the porch and I take this bunch of Chinese lady fingers. Have you ever seen them with the, with the fuses that are all... Entangled as about 45 little firecrackers all together. Well, now, ordinarily, I would fire these firecrackers off one at a time. You know, this is the way a normal kid does, you see. But it's Patty Romaley. I'm playing real big, you know. So I take I take this punk. Now, you're going to hear one of the most embarrassing moments I ever had in my life. I remember it like it's, like it's it, it tattooed on my soul. I take this punk, and I say, Hey, watch this, Patty! Hey, Patty! Hey! Oh, Patty! Hey, Patty! Watch this! And I take the punk and I light the main fuse on this thing, goes, shh, like that. And I say, "Watch this! Whoa, whoa! Look at the whole!" And I throw it like that, see? And it goes up in the air, it goes pow, pow, pow. And I turn and run, and just as I run, this thing goes pow, and somehow, to this day, I don't know how it did it. It blew in half, and half of the firecrackers, instead of you know just laying there and popping off, half of them flew. And just as I turned. It is a hot day. My shirt tail is hanging out. It lands right on my shirt tail, and it goes, pow, 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 blew my shirt right off my back. Ripped it right up. And these girls are laughing. Schwartz is laughing. Flick is laughing. My shirt is blown up, and it was my new shirt, you know, my sports shirt that we got at Penny's, you know. And my mother's bugged. Everybody, oh, yeah, it was a terrible moment. You can go from the depths to the heights and back to the depths again. But I want to tell you, I saw a, a, a situation. You're not going to believe this because most of the mothers uh, in this area are exceedingly protective of their kids. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a syndrome of the East. You don't find that as you go further west. You find that the protective quotient in a kid's life grows less and less as you go further west. Until finally, you get all the way out on the west coast and kids are kicked out of the house at the age of three months. Get out, burn your living, kid. You know, they kick them out. Very different world. So I'm living in the Midwest, about halfway between the Midwest, you know, halfway between the far west and, and the, the Bronx, where, uh, where you know, the kid is carried to school sometimes up to the age of 15, see. And, uh, oh, yeah. Well, in uh, <laughs> this world, uh, I'm going to describe to you an incident that you're not going to believe because it sounds like something that comes out of a comic strip. And it is a mother incident. And, and whenever it comes up, and almost invariably, when I, I uh, get on the phone and I talk to my mother around this time of the year, I say, Hey, Mom, do you remember that time on the porch? And she starts to giggle. She says, Nobody would believe that, would they? And I'd say, No, Ma, they wouldn't. Well, here's what happened. All day long, we've been shooting fireworks off. Now, we've been, you know, you know what is it, a squib? Ever hear of a squib? Well, a squib is a firecracker that doesn't go off, you know. And that's a, a fizzle or a squib. You got this firecracker, and somehow it didn't go off. So now, we used to collect them. I think you'd have maybe a couple of dozen of these babies, see. In which case, you would take these, and you would break them open, you know, the little bit, and you would light it, and it would go, 
proportion of powder would go up, you know. And if it was white powder, it would make a little silver sparkly thing. If it was black powder, it would make a little red flame. Go like that, okay? Well, we're playing around and shooting off our little firecrackers all day. My mother is sitting on the swing. Now, I have a real... It's a mother, you know, a real mother type. She makes, uh, you know, a genuine standard mother who uh, makes potato salad and every 15 minutes keeps saying, uh, be careful now. You're going to burn yourself or uh, another variation. Be careful now. You'll, you'll get it in your eye. Now, watch out. All day long, she's saying this. Until finally you don't hear it. It's just like rope. It's like a slamming of the screen door. It's like a crickets or something. You don't, you don't listen to this. And so uh, all the while, Flick and me and Schwartz and Bruner, my kid brother, were shooting off our little things out in the yard and running around and blowing up cans and blowing up Bruner's dog, Zero, and all that. Oh, he loved it. Oh, he liked it. Yeah, it was the only time he actually woke up. You know, it was around the fourth. And so uh, we'd, uh, <laughs> we were having our fun. And uh, my mother's not saying much. And now she is down among, among the bushes. And she's uh, doing what mothers do when they're playing around with their little rose bushes and stuff. She's pulling up weeds and stuff, messing around. And then all of a sudden, she's back up on the porch now. She says, oh, say, kids, you want to see something? We all look. My mother is up on the porch now. She's got this funny smile on her face. She's going to do something. So I said, what? She said, well, come on up on the porch and watch. I'm going to do something. So Bruno says, hmm, okay. And so we troop up, up on the steps. And here's my mother now on the top step. Got it? She has been walking around the yard collecting squibs. My mother. And she has taken the squibs, and she has very carefully broken each one in half. <laughs> and she, she has emptied it out on the steps. She's got about 30 firecrackers she's emptied the, the, the goo out of them, the, the powder, in a little pile. Now she's got a pile. It's about looks like a little anthill, see, a little silver and black anthill. She says, now I'm going to show you what we used to do when we were kids. You never think of your mother doing any of this stuff when she was a kid, you know. She says, We're gonna, I'm going to show you what I did when I was a kid. And so with that, she opens up her purse, and she's looking for something. She's going through the purse, and uh, her... Handkerchiefs are flying out and powder puffs and, and little pins and junk like that. And she says, now, where is that? And she's looking, and the four of us are watching. And we're standing in about a four-foot circle away watching the scene. It was a silent scene. My old man now, he comes out of the house, see, and he slams the screen down. He says, what's going on? My mother says, I'm going to show them what I used to do when I was a girl. She says, what? What would you do? She says, well, now, you watch. She's looking through her purse. And then she says, oh, here it is. She finds her little package of matches. My mother didn't smoke, and she always kept these little package of matches in case, you know, she needed them. And she found them. They're battered. She says, now watch. The match lights. She says, now here's what we used to do when I was a kid. She bends over, takes the match, drops it in the pile of powder. There is a momentary pause, and it goes, boom, my mother stood up and had no eyebrows. Completely gone. She blew two of the curlers out of her hair all the way across the street into Stryker's lawn. You never saw anything like it. 
I'll tell you, it burnt that petrified egg right off the front of her chenille bathrobe. No eyebrows. And she stood for a minute, and all of us were stunned. You know, there's a blue flash. They, they were still staggering around in the smoke. And the old man says, What the hell? Is that what you did when you were a kid? What kind of an example is that? My mother says, well, it, it, it went off, didn't it? And her eyebrows are completely gone. And so she's trying to recover, you know, trying to be dignified. And she goes into the house. Bruner turns to me and he says, gee, that's a great mother. <laughs> My mother became a legend. <laughs> the time she blew her eyebrows right off. These, you know, these are the kind of things that you you have to face in life. Each one of us has been through the grinder, the mill. But there was one time, speaking of fizzes, and and very similar situation that happened. All afternoon, there were about 15 of us. Me, Jack Morton, Flick, Schwartz, Bruner, Stanley Roper, B.G., Delbert Bumpus, all of us, about 15 of us, were busily putting our squibs into a Sherwin-Williams paint can, busting them in. We must have had a half a can full of powder by maybe three or four or five hours of running up and down the street looking for old fireworks that hadn't gone off. We gathered around in a little knot. God only knows what made us do it. We gathered around in a little knot all around this thing, all looking down into it, when Bruner says, okay, here goes, throws it in, the entire fourth grade went to school that summer, that later that year, with no eyebrows. And none of us could say anything at home about it. And that's just, it's like the time, did I ever tell you the time Flick's carbide cannon blew up? A fantastic, you know what a carbide cannon is? We built this car. We built this carbide cannon out of popular mechanics. Yeah, you make it out of a, a can. You know what how how carbide how these uh, carbide cannons work? You know, out of the water and that produces this carbide gas. You light the thing and it blows the blows the can out. Well, it worked. You see, for a while, this thing worked for about three times, and it was going off with a fantastic roar. I mean, gee whiz, a carbide cannon goes off. It it, it jiggles windows for blocks around. Oh, they really go off with a boom. And then one day... Oh, wait, you, you got a commercial in there? All right, hit the button. Everybody's getting excited. Come one, come <laughs> on, come one and all. To Expo 67. Come on, play it big, bird. Oh, it's live, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's live. Expo is back. All the wonders that made Expo 67 the greatest international exposition ever held. Back on the same site in Montreal and is now wide open. This year it's called Man and His Crummy World. I mean, Man and His World. More than 45 nations are there to welcome you. Admissions to all exhibits, all pavilions is free. Big bargain discounts for your bank. The whole bit. Expo 67. Montreal is swinging again. Bring it up there. Come on, come on. By the way, this is a good show. Yeah, it really is. What? 
I am not going to read what happened in Yemen. I will not read what happened in Yemen. I refuse to have. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, I could tell you what happened. Oh, yeah. Speaking of, of uh, happenings in Yemen, did I tell you a couple of years ago the time that I went to the... Did you know, uh, maybe you, a lot of you WOR people are not aware of the fact that one time WOR had a 4th of July company picnic. Did you know that? Did you hear about it? They don't talk much about it around here anymore, do they? Well, for good reason. If you know what happened. I mean, if you think that the only things that blow up at firework company picnics are fireworks, you should have seen some of the blow-ups that happened that day. But <laughs> nevertheless, uh, this is the time of, you know, this is the time of year people get the itch, you know, they walk around and... Uh, Oh, I'll tell you, there's more, there's more action in the air than, you, than you'd care to shake a stick at. In fact, about 15 minutes ago, just before the show, I'm walking along 42nd Street. And this is like a giant cake of yeast. And uh, the great thing about New York in the summertime is uh, it isn't so much that New York is a summer festival. I don't think that's true. I mean, uh, depending on how you call festival, uh, there's an orgiastic quality to New York in the summertime. You call that a, a festival. But... Uh, uh, New York is more of a, a kind of a summer fist fight, you know. Now, I, I'm walking along 42nd Street, and I've noticed that, that all the natives have moved out of 42nd Street for the weekend. And they've moved in a new supply. All the tourists are down. They're walking around looking, trying to see where the real New York is. And actually, the, the real New York is on its way to Vermont right now, trailing smoke and with plans. Speaking of trading smoke, did you hear about this guy the other day? It was this judge. And uh, somebody came in and said, Say, Judge, have you looked at that plant that's growing outside of the, of the court here? It's, it's growing right outside of the... It was, a, it was a court. And outside the window was a big plant growing up. And the judge says, Yes, this is a true story. It happened up here in Connecticut. And the guy says, You know what kind of a plant that is, Judge? He says, well, no, it's, a, it's kind of a nice plant. I noticed they, a couple of the boys around here have been watering it. They're taking care of it. The guy says, Judge, have you ever heard of pot? He says, yeah, yeah, I cook eggs, oh, you know, pot. He says, have you ever heard of marijuana? And the judge blenched. Two guys on his staff were growing pot right outside the court among the, the nasturtiums and the geraniums. So it's summer, friends. It's summer. Keep your knees loose and uh, push. I mean, you know, push. Don't, don't let them get in your way. I mean, in that traffic jam tomorrow. Just, just go, man. Go. Go. 